It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Miami was at full strength tonight for Game 4, and Boston was without starting point guard Marcus Smart. But what seemed like a clear advantage for the Heat quickly turned into a disaster as they struggled to score early on and couldn't find any rhythm or any easy looks at the basket. We're joined by Sports Illustrated's Rowan Nodkarney to break down a disappointing blowout loss on today's live edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Daily Podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Thanks, everybody, who will be joining us live for tonight's episode, our recap of Game 4, because uh, much like the Heat, I'm only showing up tonight because I'm contractually obligated to do so. But we'll push on because there is a Game 5 in just a couple of days, and maybe we can learn something from this obvious debacle. The final score doesn't even matter. 102-82, I think it was. Who cares, really? The game was over, really, after the first nine minutes of play because that's how long the Heat took without scoring a single goddamn field goal. Miami was down 18-1. to to start the game, almost the exact opposite of their scalding heart start for Game 3. And while they got some occasional scoring from Victor Oladipo, who led the Heat with 23 points, they only managed to get 18 total points from their starting entire starting unit. They shot just 34% from the field. We're joined tonight by Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated, likely making his last appearance on the show, and I don't blame him. Uh, let's hear from you, Ro. What the hell happened to Miami's offense tonight? Um... They just got blitzed by a really good defense. Uh, at the end of the day, both these teams are capable of having really successful defensive stretches against each other. And I think Boston, obviously, I mean, you can talk about effort, et cetera, focus, whatever the case may be. Maybe the Heat lacked that a little bit. I think that's natural. It's what happens in playoff series at the same time. Got to give Boston credit. They have five very good defenders that they start with. There are no obvious you know, mismatches for the Heat to attack when they're playing Boston. And Robert Williams has been an issue for Miami. He's able to roam off P.J. Tucker. He can guard Jimmy Butler one-on-one because he's not scared of dropping on him. Uh, He made a huge difference tonight. There's no question about it. 
And I think coming out, the Heat just kind of missed uh, some early looks that they needed to make, and I think it snowballed from there. Jimmy Butler missed a good look. Bam missed a good look. Uh, Struess missed some open threes. Like, I think it just snowballed kind of early, and it went from there. But, I mean, give Boston credit. I think this was the best wire-to-wire effort either team has put together in this series. Yeah, look, we, no, I told you the Celtics would come out strong. They would play better because they knew they, they couldn't lose this game and go down 3-1 after two games at home. Uh, but the Heat have issues beyond this game, and that's how they handle Robert Williams and, by the way, Al Horford uh, and the mm-hmm. Celtics defense, especially in the paint. 11 blocked shots for the Celtics tonight. We talked so much about the 19 steals that the Heat got in game three. 11 block shot for the Celtics. Uh, just as disruptive, right? I mean, they just took everything away from the rim. Yeah, the Heat missed a bunch of open looks. They shot just an absurdly bad 29.6% on twos. Uh, but we shouldn't get bogged down in sort of the results and that crazy, I guess you can call it, variance. Um, because ultimately, the Celtics forced the Heat into the looks that they wanted to give to the Heat offense. And that's not good if you're Miami. These are the numbers, according to Cleaning the Glass, Uh 37 of Miami's shots came in the mid-range, and of their 36 three-pointers, only seven of them came from the corner. 29 of them were above the break there. Those are not good looks for this Heat team. They want to be shooting from the corners. They want to be shooting at the rim and not really relying so much on the mid-range looks and stuff, especially when you don't have Tyler Hero in this game. Um, The Celtics forced the Heat into the looks that they wanted. Could the Heat have made more shots and made this a closer game? Absolutely, but the Celtics thoroughly outplayed Miami tonight, and that's something that the Heat have to figure out going into Game 5. Well, I mean, yes, and I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my mind around it because I know we've seen these games go back and forth, like with huge blowouts on all four of them, really. Uh, you know, with, of course, that third quarter, it was a tight game for the most part, but Miami stormed back for that Game 1 win. They bl- were blowing out uh, Boston in the first quarter of Game 3, but you look at that, the you look at what happened tonight, and yes, Absolute credit to Boston's defense. I don't want to take anything away from that. I don't think any of our listeners will either. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of people just concerned about Miami's inability to hit those easy and open looks. Like Max Struess, zero points tonight. P.J. Tucker wasn't able to hit from the corners. They weren't closing out on P.J. A lot of those shots were wide open. I'll have to go back and, and check them all those shots out. But for the most part, there were some good looks there. There were shots at the rim from Jippy, Jimmy, Oladipo, et cetera, Bam in particular, who I'm sure will devote some time in this segment to that were absolutely wake- makeable despite the presence of Williams and Horford and everybody else on that strong defensive unit from Boston. So isn't that a concern? Or is, I mean, how concerned are you about Boston's defense versus Miami's just inability to make those good looks? Because I think, I mean, to your point, they could have at least – had a semblance of staying in this game if they were able to capitalize on that early on. Even in that first quarter stretch yeah. where they struggled to make field goals, like a lot of those looks were pretty open, makeable, certainly. Well, and there's just, certainly there's definitely like an argument to be made that missing so many of those open looks takes you out of your offense, right? Like mm-hmm. then you start forcing things, you're you're kind of in your head. And there was definitely a lid on the rim for the Heat. Like that's 100% part of this, but still, like I don't know what the answer is for Robert Williams mm-hmm. and Al Horford at the basket. Like that making shots or not making shots. I I still don't know what the answer is yet. It's an issue on both ends of the floor, to be honest. And, you know, as far as the shot making goes, I agree. They, they missed makeable shots, but I think this was the most uh, long twos. A lot of people were tweeting out the stats, but the heat were settling for a ton of long twos in this game, which is a terrible sign for their offense, terrible sign for any offense. Um, That was a big issue for them. And when the shots go in, it looks great. And the offense looks great, but 
uh, those are not shots that you want. And beyond that, Williams offensively is a problem for the Heat because they, they don't really have – they want to guard P.J. Tucker. They want to guard Jason Tatum with P.J. Tucker. They don't have a good matchup for Robert Williams. They get caught in rotations. They get caught in switches. He's able to dominate on the offensive glass. He's able to dominate from the dunker spot. Uh, the Heat just don't don't really have a good option for the Celtics' size, especially when they're playing their yeah. nominal power forward on the other team's best scorer in Tucker. So – uh, yeah. To me, I, I think it is a big concern. I, I I put more stock into the Celtics defense and the Heat missing shots. I, I don't That's think fair. they took a lot of good shots in this game. Um, and there's a reason why Boston closed the season with such a good defense, and, and Williams was a, a huge, huge reason for it. So it's uh, to me, I, I don't think they can just kind of fall back on Ah, we missed shots. Like those, some of those looks are going to go in. They need to figure out how to get into better offense uh, more quickly than they did in Game Three or Game we'll Four, about, rather. Yeah, yeah, uh, Game Five, right? Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll talk about Bam, I'm sure, because I know a lot of people are concerned after his 31 point outing in Game Three, where he looks Let's so talk dominant. about Bam. Well, before we do that, I, d- I did have a question though. Jimmy Butler, six points in total, plus minus of minus 30, three of 14 from the field. Uh, seven rebounds, mostly because <laughs> Miami wasn't hitting their shots. There was a lot of rebounds to be had. But three of 14 after he missed the second half of game three, did they rush him back too quickly? Was he not able to play? I'm sure we'll hear something uh, kind of skirting the issue in the postgame presser that we're avoiding to record live here. But uh, I'm sure they won't chalk it up to that. He was out there. He was ready to play. I'm sure he'll say that or something to that effect. But did they rush him back out too quickly? Because it, it just seemed like he was not able to get anything going like again missing open looks the jumper wasn't falling wasn't getting any foul calls or anything like that uh was jimmy the well, problem tonight i don't know what the the just don't play him in game four when you have a chance to go up three one in the series like you kind of if he's out if he's available i feel like you had to play him uh um, yeah they made the right no tyler hero him for the fourth it, quarter yeah no without a doubt yeah they did wind up sitting him for extended periods he only played 20 something minutes but, you know, Victor Oladipo getting significant more playing time because of the loss of Tyler Hero. He was available, unavailable for game four because of a groin injury. You had to play somebody. You can't start Caleb Martin. He's simply not ready. Uh, he's not able to fill in for Jimmy. I don't think starting Oladipo, considering the boost he provided, uh, you know, the leading scorer of the night. But I just, I don't know. It just, it's uncomfortable to see Jimmy not play so well after he had those strong showings in games one and two. Uh, and you just wonder whether or not he just really wasn't available and he tried to play his way through it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It is uh, it's something to be concerned about, but that's the nature of the playoffs. I mean, some guys. I mean, Robert Williams. Look at him. He came out of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed to have issues with his knee. There are a lot of guys who I think are compromised right now. The Heat, unfortunately for them, it just happens to be Lowry and Butler, probably yep. Tucker to an extent as well. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what the option is. You have a chance to go yeah. up three one. You got to play Jimmy. You got to see if he has it going. I mean, I thought again he does mix some make make some good looks. We're seeing a tweet right now. Spo asked about Jimmy Butler's knee possibly bothering him. Says we just got outplayed tonight. Um, so, classic. You know, yeah, exactly. Really nailed that answer. You were right at it there. This isn't the Sixers like a broken Sixers team where you could afford to rest Kyle Lowry over the like right. the last parts of that series, right? Like you have an opportunity to take another game on the road. You're feeling really good after that game three win. Jimmy Butler is available. You had to go that way. You had to play him. I don't really see what the other option is. And like I said, you know, once this game got out of hand, you rest him and you, and you start, you know, planning for game five. That was really the only thing that they could do. Should we save the BAM discussion for later on or should we want to get it? Sure. Right no, we can now? do that. Let's uh, let's go into our break and then we'll talk about BAM later. 
All right. Uh, keep sending those questions in. I'm, I'm surprised that we have this many people tuned in today's show. I guess a lot of people are gluttons for punishment, just like mm-hmm. us. Uh, but anyway, you know who's not a glutton for punishment is a proud sponsor of this show, Prize Picks. That's right. Uh, if I could just find a copy. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy Made Easy. And easy is what they're all about as fantasy props and pickums get more popular. Prize Picks is making it easy for you to play. They do that with the best NBA DFS prop game on the market offering more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. PrizePix offers any prop you can imagine from points scored to rebounds and even steals. Check out the PrizePix power play. Here's how it works. Predict the over-under on a player's fantasy production, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected fantasy totals for a limited time use. PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. But you've got to use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer for Lockdown fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA and $50 for free is yours if you put a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Do it all using the award-winning app on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Plus, prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawal. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board with host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. He's joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. You know what's not available? Bam Adebayo's offense. After scoring 31 points in Game 3, everybody expected him to pounce back. I had concerns when Ime Doka mentioned that Robert Williams would be back in the lineup and clearly... Uh, I was right, unfortunately, because uh, he challenged Bam. Bam didn't get easy looks. I think he wound up taking his first field goal in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. It just seemed like he was uh, not actively looking for the basket, not really getting those kinds of looks that he had in game one, two. They were challenging Kyle Lowry. He wasn't able to get those early entry passes into Bam. And even when he did have the ball, he was looking off to other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just a, a strange night after seeing the much more aggressive version of Bam. So, what do we chalk this all up to? Just Robert Williams, lack of aggression, a combination of both? What is it? I mean, I think it's a combination of all factors. The Celtics' front line, when healthy, is really good. And again, there was there was no weak link tonight that kind of compromised the Celtics' defense as they did when they are playing someone like Tice. Um, and it just really changes, I think, the geometry of the floor for Miami. Uh, they weren't able to hit those couple early shots. 
to loosen up the defense. Yeah. And I think they they realized like we need to pressure him when he has the ball in his hands. They were getting up into him early. Uh, he had a couple turnovers. He was stripped a couple times. I think Boston did a really good yeah. job of every time he brought the ball down low, uh, yeah. they had hands. They were, uh, you know, making it difficult for him. Yep. And th- that's that. I mean, they made it really uncomfortable for him. And then the game starts going a certain way. You get out of your script or out of the things you want to do. Um, you know, I think we all recognize that the Bam that scored 31, while we'd love to see that every night, that's not really the player he is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say we you he has to be better. I mean, this is the NBA playoffs, this is the conference finals. Um he's and not gonna that's score the anomaly. I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm, no, that, that's the anomaly, right? Because everybody is is kind of harping on him after his you know subpar performance in game two, and they're like, Oh, he needs to be more aggressive. Lots of angry tweets and things of like that, you know, it's all BS, whatever. But then he comes out stormy in game three, and yes, that's because Robert Williams isn't there, he starts getting going early on, but is it fair to ask these things of Bam when we know he's capable of those kinds of levels of production? It's a it's a double edged sword to me. You know, Bam was or Spo was asked after the game three was that the best game you've ever seen Bam play, and he said, "I've seen Bam play great basketball." Not score. people, you know, people are going to fixate on the scoring, and it's they think that's the only way to be a max player. Um, you know, Bam's a max player because of, of what he does. Uh, as a facilitator, because of what he does as a defender. Uh, I'm with you. We, we want to see him be a consistent scorer, but that's the scoring alone is not what makes him great. It's not what mm-hmm. makes players not what make, it's not what makes players great. Wes knows this. It's not what, what makes Draymond Green great. You know, Wes has seen that up close. There's different ways to be a max player. It's just there are certain moments. He, we saw it in game three where the it calls for being better. And he's mm-hmm. got he's got the capability, but uh, it just wasn't it just wasn't good enough tonight. But but you could say that about the entire team. Yeah, I mean, we could go through some stats here. I mean, 18 points for the Heat starters. This is from StatMuse. Game four scoring leaders, 31 points for Jason Tatum, 23 points for Victor Oladipo, 18 points for the Heat starters combined. That's not great for Miami. Um, the more I'm like we're having this Bam out of bio conversation, and the further we get into his career, the more I'm wondering, is he just Al Horford on steroids? Like, that's kind of his game. You look at Horford tonight, awesome player for a really long time. I think Bam Adebayo's ceiling is higher than Al Horford. I don't think Al Horford was ever, like, the third best center in the NBA, the way that a lot of people would consider Bam right now. But um, he was certainly never as – he's always been good defensively, but not as switchable defensively. But, like, kind of the same in temperament a little bit. Just two shot attempts for Horford tonight in 33 minutes. Five shot attempts for Bam in almost 28 minutes. The problem is, like, David, and and, like you were saying – like, it's not just what Bam does offensively. And Rohan, you were saying this. It's not just what Bam does offensively. It's all the other stuff that he does. But tonight, he wasn't doing all that other stuff. Just six rebounds, only two assists, zero blocked shots, zero steals. Like, he wasn't really bringing it defensively either, where you compare that to a guy like Horford. Again, just two shot attempts in 33 minutes, but 13 rebounds, three assists, four blocked shots. I mean, you if you're Bam, I don't know that the Heat have to rely on you for offense every single night. Even Horford had like that big, what was it, game five or whatever against Milwaukee with that mm-hmm. big scoring night. Like yeah. you can have some of these here and there. But if you're Bam, you've got to do it everywhere else all the time, all the time. And then you do get that one anomaly 30-point scoring game every once in a while. And certainly on a night like this where you've got nobody really stepping up offensively, you want more than nine points on five shot attempts from Bam because you need your best players to step up when nobody else is. 
Um, but regardless, like you need better rebounding, better rim protection, better everything. Uh, to answer your original question, David, as far as Bam's offense, like I think Robert Williams took a lot of it away. I thought Horford's defense on Bam was really, really good when he was matched up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would have liked to see Bam just go up stronger sometimes. Like there were opportunities, especially yes. early, where it felt like instead of going with that finesse layup, he could have just went up stronger. Now, I don't know if that was the Celtics just putting bodies in front of him, creating a wall, which they definitely did. But I also thought Bam could have just gone to the rim with more force, with more quickness, coming out of those screens with more force and with more quickness, uh, the way that we saw in Game 3, which we didn't really see in Game 4. I'm not really sure what the reason for that hesitancy was. You can put blame kind of everywhere for that. But regardless, they need more from Bam and not just from a uh, scoring they, perspective. They need they need more, and I agree. Like, you know, I got to look back, and the rebounds thing, again, also goes up and down because of how much he's asked to switch, et cetera. Right. Um, and again, we talk about Williams. Even when he's not guarding Bam one-on-one, his ability to, to crowd the lane, uh, make it difficult, make it very difficult for the Heat to run pick and rolls, yeah. including Bam, because the spacing uh, is not great for them. All these things kind of add up. So yep. I, I I agree he should have played better. You look at the, the box score and you know it's just not enough. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I need to go back and watch a lot of those possessions because right. it, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, you know. And, Wes, I don't think you're wrong. I do think he there's a lot of times where I agree he needs to go up stronger. I think DeAndre Ayton, I, you know, I said the same thing about him. There's times he just doesn't go up strong enough. But I think it's, you know, it's easy to single him out when the reality is the entire team just had a re- played really badly yeah. and the Celtics defense was playing like the defense that was the best in the league for the last four months yeah. of the season. Yeah. If it's more porous the way it was early on in game three, the defense, I mean, uh, then bam can be your go-to score early, go-to score early on. So he can kind of set the tone for everything else. In this case, that was not, they needed somebody from the perimeter or somebody to be able to attack the basket with proficiency, Jimmy wasn't doing it. Kyle couldn't do it. PJ certainly not able to. Max Struess wasn't hitting from beyond the arc. They just weren't getting anything. And that point, at that point, then it kind of renders Bam neutral. Neutral, like he's just he's not he's just not the kind of impact player offensively right away. And he just he can't be your go-to scorer. And that's that's fine. Like I I, I will maintain this. I'm just saying something that's going to be completely unpopular, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to get turned off by it. But I think he still is. A max player. I'm sure you both agree just because of all the other things he does. Those are great things that he does. He changes the dynamic of this team. He makes them better defensively. I think we've all established that point pretty clearly. Uh, it's frustrating to see him not be able to be that kind of go-to score after he has those kind of hot nights. I will, however, downplay a comment that I'm seeing in our chat right now that he just uh, gets a big head or something along those lines. I don't think that was it at all. I don't think he's no. got an overinflated ego after a 31 point out, and he just says, you know what, I could take the rest of the series off. If anything, we saw him kind of show a little bit more of that life to start the third quarter. But it didn't matter. They were already down 20-something points. Boston yeah. was hitting everything from the perimeter. There were a lot of issues there offensively, probably even more so defensively when they just let all the Celtics starters you know, just cook and, and cook at will. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure what part of what you said is going to turn off the listeners. I don't know if you meant like the maxing out BAM thing. Because we yes. – Players like no, Bam that's get maxed out. Forget it. If you don't, yeah, if you don't think Bam gets the max, then like look at every other NBA roster. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> you don't think I, Bam gets the max? Like, <laughs> just stop watching basketball. Just man. stop watching like, basketball. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you don't if even you don't bother think, with the cap sheets. Don't even bother. Yeah, just watch just the stop. game. Don't yeah. worry about what they get yeah. paid. Just, yeah. just whatever. Or, um, or watch baseball. I don't know what you mean to say. If you don't think <laughs> Bam is a max player, just stop. Um, 
I'll go back to what I said originally. The Heat need to figure out some ways to scheme things better for Bam, for Jimmy, for everything. Like, you're right. We shouldn't harp on Bam all the the Celtics took a th- everything from the rim away from everybody, not just Bam. They took it away from Jimmy Butler. They took it away from Kyle Lowry. They took it away from everyone. The Heat need to figure out a way to scheme things uh, specifically in a way to get Robert Williams and Al Horford away from the basket. Horford spends a little bit more time on the perimeter when he's guarding Bam and stuff. Williams is just dropping. He's gar- He's being assigned to whichever Heat player is the worst shooter in the starting five or in that in the five-man lineup that's on the court. And then he just plants himself in the paint, and they don't worry about that other guy. You mentioned, like, P.J. getting open looks. They, they're they like, fine, take the open looks. We don't care. We're right. not worried about P.J. scoring 30 and beating us. If he scores 16, we're not even worried about that. They don't care. But right. um, It was I, a difference I, in I, game three, but, I mean, that's when everybody else was cooking, too. It was no, exactly. A- and so, I, I, I like, we saw late in the game where they were a little bit more patient, trying to get Robert Williams switched onto somebody who did need to be defended on the perimeter, and then kind of pulling him out of the paint. I think you need to just find more ways to figure that out. Boston has been a little reluctant to switch Robert Williams, knowing that they want him planted in the paint, and they tried other options before going there. But if you're Miami, you've got to get him involved in more options away from the basket, something that they could do in film, something that we can look at in whatever we do after this. But um, I, I, it is something think. that they need to figure out, and it's not just BAM-related. It's the entire yeah. team, and it, it's something that they need to – to solve because it's not just a bad shooting night. There's things that they need to figure out from an X's and O's perspective. I, I, I'm like a little concerned about the size disparity there because I yeah. saw during that mini stretch in the third quarter where they were trying to cut the lead to, I don't know, what, 17, 18 points or something along those lines. They had to devote somebody completely to try to just box out Robert Williams because he was so aggressive in attacking the boards. And that takes away the opportunity to close out on one of their wide open shooters or somebody who's driving the lane or things of that sort. So you need a little bit more size out there. They just, yeah. it's so small. It's such a small yeah. lineup. Even with Bam and Abayo as your biggest player. Um, and it's Marcy an issue. Morris? I'm sorry. I just want to say it's also an issue for the Heat because when they go small, they still don't really have the shooting right. that typically comes with that right. kind of lineup. Usually, when teams go small, they say, "Well, we're going to be able to outshoot you." The Heat can't really do that. I mean, Caleb hit a couple threes tonight late, but yeah, he's not getting respected on the perimeter. No, those were wide. Duncan, Duncan I'm, I'm a, I've been a big Duncan fan. Yeah, it's just if he doesn't hit those first couple shots, I mean. Every You're time down the floor, he foul Tatum on the three, foul Tatum yeah. inside. He gets beat baseline, uh, yeah. gets beat going to the middle. Um, he's just getting. There's know, no activity so, from him on offense. Like well, watching Struess, and I, like I don't understand. Yeah. I also don't understand Spo bringing him in with Deadman because that seems to defeat the purpose of using Duncan, taking advantage of. You know the drops Terrible the Celtics want to use. That's what that's what happens when you, if you're Spolstra, you don't have a plan for how to use Duncan Robinson because otherwise you would have lined their minutes and you would figure out okay our substitution pattern will make sure that we have Bam and Duncan on the floor at the same time. It was just very clear that Spo is not planning to use Duncan Robinson in these games. He probably wasn't planning on using him tonight, but he kind of had to when the game got out of hand and he just had to start trying stuff. But I'm with you, Rowan. Like to put him in with first of all Dwayne Deadman. Can he play in this series? Like, I'm, I don't I'm know surprised. That he can afford five I'm minutes of him surprised anymore. that they didn't go with Markeith tonight. I'm at the yeah. point yeah. where can Markeith really be? Yes, David, you bring that up. I'm at the point where can Markeith really be worse than what Deadman has been? Or do you just play yeah. PJ at the five back up and you're like, all right, bam, sorry, man, you're playing 40 minutes tonight. We're playing PJ. 10 I mean, minutes I, five. I do think Spo needs to tighten the rotation. Yeah. Even having said that, I think you're going to need, even if it's four token minutes of marquee for yeah. something like that. I don't think you can tighten it to the point where 
you play Tucker at the five and you exclude Denman and Marquis because they need one backup big. I mean, I yeah. think, I think in an ideal world, you have the starting five from tonight. Vincent and Oladipo are your two guards, and then you have one big. Um, that should maybe be Markeith who who fills well, that gap. So you're taking your. Well, it's not even. It's like it's not even uh, that Deadman is like outmatched in this series, which he is, right? Just from an athleticism standpoint. But like, I don't know if it's because I don't know if it's because there's so many better athletes on the court. But he looks noticeably slow and out of rhythm. Like he's just dropping passes. He's slow to get back up the court. Like he's not even involved. Half the, if if God forbid there's a transition defense thing that he has to do, he's yeah. not even involved because everybody's just outrunning him. He's yeah. not cut out for this series. I, I don't know that this is a hero series. I have to be honest. One of my fears is Hero comes back and he's like, I got this in game five. Like, you guys oh, he's going to do it. Like, the constant oh, okay. shots from the broadcast of him fuming on the sidelines there, oh, knowing he could make an impact. I don't, We're going to see that, ultimate gunner version of, of Tyler. I don't, I don't think that that's a recipe for success. That makes me nervous as a Heat fan that he's going to come back. and Because I don't think he's been good this series. I think his shot creation was always a little overrated and you're seeing it against a good defense that's switchable that's not dropping that can consistently throw length in him that can blitz him with discipline it's not been good for him it's not been good for him for most of the playoffs maybe he has a big game in him i just don't know how he does it against this celtics defense yeah quick question and we're saying all this and they played without marcus smart tonight which is pretty crazy quick question oh go ahead i'm sorry i just i know I know Jimmy was probably compromised, but whatever. Go ahead, Wes. No, I mean, they, like, they – I think a lot of people focus, oh, they missed, like, a bunch of mid-range looks, and, like, this Heat team has guys who can make them. But, like, even those mid-range looks were a little, like, suspect, too, because Boston plays that gap so well, and they close out mm-hmm. with their length so quickly. Like, even, like, mid-range looks that the Heat usually make against other teams are not the same – like, they're not created equal against the Celtics roster, but – um the broadcast just like a quick around the horn we don't even have to spend a lot of time on this but the broadcast was like maybe it was just them trying to figure out something to talk about in the fourth quarter but talking about how duncan robinson was shooting himself into a rhythm that he wasn't in during the playoffs i think an underrated thing about the heats postseason right now is that they went from the best three-point shooting team by uh percentage in the regular season to like shooting sub 30 percent right now in the playoffs are we buying that theory at all that Duncan Robinson was able to shoot himself into rhythm and garbage time minutes in the fourth quarter? No, I, I'm not at all. I, I think I, kind of I don't, out, yeah, but, I don't, but, it's going right. to be a lot different when he's playing high pressure yeah. minutes. And as far as their three point percentage dipping, I got, again, I got killed for this. Everyone on heat Twitter just wants to yell at me all the time, but their three point shooting was at its best. when Like guys were out of the lineup. Like their best three point shooting game was that game in Phoenix. When like Jimmy was out, who else was out? Like, Bam was that? Yeah, they their shooting benefited a lot from lineups that they'll never play in the playoffs. Right, and there's a reason you saw again. Duncan was just getting. I think people are like, well, if he keeps shooting, eventually the shots are going to fall. He's not this bad of a shooter, but these are the these are very high pressure shots against a very good defense against from looks that are on looks that are not very clean. Like, um, it's it's not going to get any easier for him. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we'll take a break. Let's yep. put a pause on this, and then we'll uh, we'll answer some of the questions from our listeners and viewers in the next segment. But before we do that, just want to tell you that this episode 
Brought to you by Rock Auto. Look, we've talked about it before. It's tough to go into an auto parts shop. You go in there, ask questions. They ask you questions. You're not sure whether or not you're giving the right answers. It's confusing. It's a little nerve-wracking. Why go through all that? You find the parts you're looking for on rockauto.com's easy-to-use website. With just a few easy clicks, they get it delivered directly to your door in just a matter of days. I know I've talked about it before. I know, Wes, you chuck it all up to be bragging. But it just recently had to replace a part on my wife's car. Did it so quickly. I, look, I am not the handiest person. I'm not a mechanic by any stretch of the imagination, but all, rockauto.com makes me feel like one because I found the part, got it delivered, saved hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars rather than going to an auto part shop or even a mechanic of some kind. You don't necessarily want to go through that hassle. So you know what? You do it yourself, and it's Rock Auto makes it that easy. They're a family-owned business that's been serving customers online for 20 years. You could be one of them, too, if you go to rockauto.com right now and find all the parts available for your car or truck. And then when you go to the section that says, how did you hear about us, write the phrase locked on like I did so they know we set you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As a reminder, you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. And as always, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review. Just want to shout out all 3,000 of our subscribers on YouTube because we hit our goal for the postseason, 3,000 subscribers. We just started to show at the start of the season to be where we are right now. Thanks to all of you uh, for always being with us and supporting us. And, of course, hopefully being on our journey as we continue this postseason run for the Miami Heat. Congrats, guys. Thank you so Thanks, much. Man. You're a big part of it, Ro. You're, you're, you've been there from day one, so we appreciate you more than anybody. Uh, you, you're always welcome here, whatever those Miami Heat people want to uh, say. Or who? I don't even never even heard yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Uh, Wes, I think you've got yeah. a question for us that you want to answer here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was just sort of thinking about what we're about to get into. Game 5 in Miami on Wednesday. Everybody knows that Game 5s um, are kind of – like the pivot points for a lot of these yep. two two series, right? Whoever wins game <laughs> no, five, um, no shit, Wes. <laughs> I said, well, it worked. I they worked that with everybody knows. <laughs> I'm trying to set up a question here. He's saying <laughs> game five in a two two series might is be an a important pivot, game. Might be important. a pivot point. Okay. Well, is it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know the numbers. I'm sure they'll they'll mention it. But I mean, look. Well, I'm just saying. You go up like, three two. You got a, a much better chance by the numbers okay. to win the series. Fair okay. Right. So that in mind. This is the biggest playoff game in what a decade for the Miami Heat, and I'll I ask that question just to bring things up here. This is the the game five against the Celtics, for example, in the 2020 Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat were already up three one, so mm-hmm. they didn't really. Ha- and by game five against the Lakers in the finals, they were down three one, so it didn't have that same level of intensity here. It was much mm-hmm. stakes on the line, right? Um, yeah. You have to, you really do have to go almost ten years back to find a playoff game this big for the Heat. Uh, I, I pulled some up uh, I mean, during I, that fourth quarter. It's got to be since 2014, right? Yeah. Not even yeah, since no 2014. Doubt. Not even Where, since 2014. What, did, what was the series with the Pacers in 2014? That was – they were up 3-1 in that series. I, the, okay. the, so they, there was the 2013 conference finals. Okay. But 
You could go. We'll start with the most recent one. 2016 semi Eastern Conference Semis, Game Seven in Toronto. Uh, the Heat lost that game. Lowry had 35 points. DeRozan had 28 points. The Heat got blown out. Game Seven in Toronto. That would have been an opportunity to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but still, like that doesn't feel like this, right? Like they were going to run into a LeBron James juggernaut. They were going to lose in the Conference Finals. Anybody you know with a brain knew that that was going to happen. And so it doesn't really feel like as big of a deal as this one with a chance to obviously go to the NBA Finals. Game 7, 2013, NBA Finals versus Spurs. Obviously, you could even put Game 6 into this conversation considering where the Heat were and they needed to win Mm -hmm. that game. But Game 7, after rounds, shot in Game 6. LeBron scores 37. D-Wade has 23 and 10. The Heat outscore the Spurs 23 to 17 in the fourth quarter, win the championship. Is this a bigger game than Game 3 of the 2014 Finals? I would yeah. say so, just because of the difference between a game five and a game three, right? But what about the difference between the finals and the conference finals? What about the difference? It's an, inter- it's an interesting okay. question. I'm just saying it's yeah, like... Yeah, I just don't... Like, what know, are the percentages on a team going up 2-1 in the finals? Is it like overwhelmingly like that I team see what you're wins? Saying. I see what you're saying. That's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, like this is like... Dude, this feels like... This game five feels like do or die, doesn't it? Yeah, like, I would never I, I put like, that game well, three in 2014 as like do or to, die. To your point... To your point, and I think somebody brought this up in the in the chat too. Like the Bucks won Game Five against the Celtics. They took a three two lead, and then Boston yeah. closed that series with two straight wins. So maybe there's pressure. Maybe so there maybe isn't. you want to. Sure. Maybe you actually want to lose this game. <laughs> no, I don't think you want to lose Game yeah, Five. Right, that kind of pressure. Right? No, I, I think you want to uh, be able to win the next two if possible. I just don't know how it's likely to happen. They're not. I don't. They just don't seem to have an answer for Robert Williams. They can't seem to figure it out. Uh, and, and you're a little, look, you, you brought up the point about, you know, not being able to, well, if you lose this game five as well, like you've also, then you've just given back up home court advantage after you brought, after you got it back. Right. And so yeah. that matters too. Um, do you guys want me to keep going or no, you don't care if no, you've got I other questions or if you've got something know. else to add? No, no, I just, I've, got I just, other, I've got other conference. I've got other playoff I, games. I just, don't, I just don't think we need to go back further than we, we were like, what's the, this is the biggest game since X. Let's get like let's get into some of our, our viewer listener questions. I feel okay. like we've point hit the is, candidate. Point it's a is, huge game. Right. You make it's, a good it's point, the biggest game is, for a team that's been yes, in the conference yes, Eastern Conference Finals yes. two of the last three years. It's kind of wild that we've had to go this long. Yeah, it's a good to, point. For this big of a Miami Heat playoff game. It's the, I mean, this it's is their, literally the biggest game since LeBron left Miami. It's their biggest test since LeBron left Miami. No question. It's the biggest game for this group. It's probably the biggest game. In Jimmy Butler's career outside of yes. the finals. Um, and Ooh. that finals is kind of it's a, we- a weird one because of how much uh how many people were out. So yeah, it's it's probably Jimmy's biggest game since game one of the 2020 NBA finals. Yeah, legacy defining, right? I, I think that's yeah. a that's a big point there. Cause like he, he said something in those 2020 finals where nobody was sure how much he'd be able to step up. He was going against you know, ar- you know, arguably much better players than LeBron James and and uh, and Anthony, sorry, Anthony Davis. And so he was, you know, we weren't sure what kind of version of Jimmy we were going to get. We didn't see that version of Jimmy throughout the playoffs. Like he was very, very good. He just wasn't the finals version that we had seen. Now you're starting to wonder, especially after the Bryn Forbes talk and everything else last postseason, what version of Jimmy? Well, he's had a fantastic playoff run, but he struggles. He's going through injury. He's clearly not 100%. What happens next? Uh, can he carry this team? Can he help Miami prolong their playoffs just as a, a little bit further and maybe even carry them into the NBA Finals? This is 
This is what you know his Hall of Fame hopes are based off of, basically, and his longtime legacy. Because uh, you don't want to fall short in these kinds of stretches. But anyway, let's get into our questions here because I'm All sure right. we have a few of them. I got a few pulled up, so I'll I'll, I'll go let's in order here. Cayman writes in serious question: Is Robert Williams too good, or is Bam not aggressive enough? We touched on this we, earlier. We we can't just look at it as one on one. The Celtics yeah. defense is very very good. It's the best defense in the NBA. The Miami Heat do not have a good half-court offense. They do not have great spacing around Bam Adebayo. That is the issue. Is there a team that, as currently set up, does not have great spacing and are playing a team that switches even better than Miami? You talked about this earlier in regards to, okay, if you're going to play Duncan Robinson, why isn't he on the court with Bam? But would you are you at the point now where in order to create that space, you would scheme in Duncan Robinson minutes with Bam if you're Spo for Game 5? It's not so much that I'm clamoring for Duncan, but if you feel playing Duncan is a requirement, then I think you have to play him with Bam. Find the Celtics defender who is dropping and try to attack that. But I'm also I also think it's okay to not play Duncan at all. Yeah, I'm with you. If not Duncan, do it with Struess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like do it do it with Kyle Lowry, who had a bunch of pull up jumpers in his first game yeah. back. Like do it with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. They need to create space. They need to create uh transition opportunities or even just like semi-transition or just fake it like we didn't even get like the Kyle Lowry hit aheads or any of that stuff I don't know how much of that was the Celtics being prepared for that and trying to take I mean, that er- away. early in the game the Celtics were hitting shots too and, and when they're That's making true. when they're taking free throws as well offensive rebounding you just don't have the opportunity should those kind I, of I know that, I know this isn't a question necessarily but it's been a comment throughout the whole chat uh, do you even want to talk about the officiating I know no. both of you are loath to do nope. so no I think nope. the heat were fouling a lot I think the heat were fouling a they lot. did foul a lot yeah. they fouled a bunch yeah, yeah. Talk and about. even look the disparity in game three that everybody was talking about that obviously Boston was fouled or took more free throws they committed more fouls in Miami they just weren't fouling them in those type situations yeah. where they were able to get to the line as much so that's that's where the disparity at the free throw line existed but anyway uh, why does Spo refuse to play Yurt or especially Morris? Well, we talked about Morris already. Clemente three four seven two. Yeah, Yurt would be getting roasted, roasted even more than Yurt's yeah, not ready. It's not going to be Yurt. Come on, Yurt's not ready for this series. Morris, I think they if they got to tighten the rotation, should give him a look for a couple minutes. Agreed. Again, something we touched on a little bit here. Edward writes in, why did Bam regress after game three? I don't know that it was so much of a regression. I just think that those are there's like those yeah. 30 point outings are anomaly yeah. games. Like also, let them exist on their own, but don't judge Bam based on those kinds of games. Also, the other team is also getting paid to win. The other team is also <laughs> noticed how well Bam played. The other team does not want Bam to score 30 again. It was a point of emphasis for the Celtics, just it like was. it was a point of emphasis for Bam in game three. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, What else do we have? Um, Comments. Do you think the Heat still have a chance? (laughs) Crying emoji. The crying Uh, emoji. This is more him pleading. Yeah. I picked the Heat in six, but in their wins in this series, they've looked better than I thought they would have. Yeah. At the same time, in their losses in this series, they've looked worse than I thought they have. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of this. No, it is a really tough series, well, can I, right? Yeah. Can I kind of rephrase this question? Like, how what? much are we? How much do you think a blowout like this carries over into Game Five? I don't. I don't anything? think I'm not a, a blowout doesn't necessarily carry over. 
But when I look at the process of a game like this and the Heat were at full strength tonight relatively, I know Hero was out, but like Hero being out had nothing to do with how poorly they started. He doesn't start anyways, um, and he has not been good in this series. And it's hard to imagine Hero being better than what Oladipo did tonight. Um, And so when I just think about the process of the shots the Heat got tonight, how good Boston was for so much of the season, that's what worries me more than, than a blowout. It's it's just that this is the kind of game that's, I think, yeah. emblematic of when the Heat are kind of playing to their worst fears and Boston's playing to its best. Emi Aduka schemed up a really nice game plan tonight. They had it going. The Celtics were on the ropes. They know, like, they had to win this game. Yeah. They knew they cannot lose this game. The Celtics are a really good basketball team. It's why they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know that a lot of the, the stuff right now is going to be, oh, my God, the Heat suck. Why do they suck so bad? Are they Heat the worst team ever? Like, that's sort of going to be the thing after this. But like Ron said, the Celtics are the other team on the basketball court getting paid to play basketball. They were the team with the appropriate urgency because they had to have it. And let's face it, the Heat didn't have to have it. And you can't manufacture this. Not even like team with like quote-unquote culture, quote-unquote the kennel and all this stuff. You can't manufacture that level of urgency. You have to either have it or you don't based on the circumstances. Now, the Heat... Going back to Miami for Game Five, they they are now the team on the ropes, right? And now it's no. Eric Spolstra and his coaching staff, or whatever. So. They're no, the team right. that has to not on I, the ropes. I think the Heat are the Heat are in a the Heat are definitely in a um, compromised position. Yes, they, they've no gotten question. hit, and they're the team that has to hit back now. Yeah, and and now it's up to Spo and his coaching staff and and those veterans to figure out how they want to free up Bam Adebayo and get Jimmy Butler to the basket and and even up the free throw discrepancy and all that stuff. Like that's on Miami now to figure it out. Boston was the team that needed to figure it out. Now Miami is a team that needs to figure it out. And if they're the team that we think they are, then they will figure it out. That doesn't, that does not necessarily mean that they'll win, but it can't look like it did tonight. That's the main thing. Um, a couple more here. Antoine, Caleb, should he play extended minutes? No, I, I, this just doesn't look like the regular season, Caleb. I thought he was going to be a big yeah. factor in the playoffs. I thought he would have been a good option to throw on someone like Tatum, pressure the ball. Like 25 minutes tonight. I know a lot of that was in garbage. Was garbage time, but I just – he looks like he's a step slower. I don't know if that's just because the playoffs are four or five steps faster, but I don't think Caleb's the answer. And they're ignoring him defensively, and I don't know that he's going to ever make enough threes to make them not. If Caleb's the answer, then the Heat have, are, are on the wrong end of this question. Right. That's that's not good. Uh, last question here. Fresh Prince writes, who do you guys think will step up in the next game? I think Jimmy's got to have a big game at home. You have to imagine someone like Struess is going to shoot better. Yeah. Um, I think a big Jimmy game is going to go a long way. He hasn't, he hasn't had a, a really big game playing next to Lowry yet. And if he's right. able to do that um, – and not have to do the playmaking, et cetera. Lowry can still get the other guys going. I also think Spo needs to step up and start. I, I just think back to like the 2018 Rockets Warriors series by game six and seven. Mm-hmm. The, the, both teams were basically playing six guys. It was like everyone's mm-hmm. playing at least 40 minutes. I think Spo, like, I, I think he was trending that way with Bam tonight. I think he got that long first quarter rest and would have played most of the rest of the way. But the rotation needs to tighten considerably, I think. Let's discuss like that. I, I agree with you 100%. First of all, Jimmy Butler has to step up. The formula for Miami to win games and win this series is Jimmy Butler has to play Tatum at least evenly, right? And he can't go, he can't have six points on three or 14 shooting 
on a night where Tatum has 31 points on eight of 16 shooting. That's a losing formula, regardless of what everybody else on the team does, right? So there, that's part of it. I do expect Jimmy Butler to step up and have a big game no matter what happens. Uh, that's just the way he is. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Rowan, like what, what, what is the rotation? Let's say he shortens it. Let's say Spo shortens it to seven guys. Who are the two guys off the bench? Tyler's got to be. I think it's going to be Oladipo, Vincent, and Tyler. But I think you got to have a quick hook with Tyler's minutes. If, like, similar to Duncan, if the shot's not there. That's fair. So no, no real big. Maybe on, other than like a, a few token minutes I think, for a market. Exactly, exactly, but. exactly. I mean, we. It's. I like to call it. You're playing seven point five guys or eight point five right. guys, where one guy's getting very, you know token minutes but that's it and then it's just to tie in the you first over. half exactly first, tied yeah. you over for four minutes in the first half but that's it uh i'm with uh, you we'll see yeah all right well, with, i agree with those three by the way and, yeah. and with the yeah. quick hook on tyler just the yeah. way that he's been playing uh gabe vincent victor oladipo have given you guys so much uh defensively and offensively they've shown a, an ability to make some shots um especially from three-point range victor oladipo four of seven tonight yeah i, I think that spo needs to basically say you know what we're going to play five guys, 40 plus minutes, uh, two guys or maybe three mainly off the bench. And you got to ride with those guys. Cause like I said, it's the biggest playoff game in 10 years for the heat. This is, yeah. this is crucial. We'll see how they adjust. It should be a fun game one way or the other. And of course we'll cover it all for you. Subscribe to the show. Thanks to everybody who's made locked on heat. Your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball, the play in tournament, to the last possession of the finals, which Miami could still find their way in. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Rowan, thanks so much for joining us. This is David Ramil signing up for now. Thanks so much for joining uh, uh, me as well, Wes. <laughs> like and subscribe, everybody. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.